Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Americans living in Sweden talking about football, mm-hmm. not the football that's going on right, not the tournament that's going on. We're talking about American football. Yes, the one we grew up on. That's true. But get... I, that being said, I am like highly addicted to the other football oh, yeah. that's happening right now. Yeah, especially because I, I, I've said this before. I grew up rooting for Italy, so I was literally, I screamed so loud when Italy scored their first goal the other night yeah. that I thought. I was going to have an aneurysm. Oh, like, shit. my head literally hurt. I was like, ow, that hurt. <laughs> That's how I felt when uh, Sweden won that game at the last, in the last two minutes uh. with that goal. And I was at a bar. This is for, I don't know if I said this on here, but that was the first time i ever been at a bar watching uh, a tournament like that. That's fun. With a bunch of fans of the same, you know what I mean, of the same team. And it was just crazy. I've been to soccer matches for the Swedish league, but this was different, man. Nice. Everybody just, woof. Because it's the one, yeah, it's the team that everybody in Sweden can agree on. Yeah. By and large. Yeah, so it was yeah. great. Uh, but but we're not talking about that football. <clears throat> no. We're talking about the NFL. Yes. The most uh, integrity-filled <laughs> <laughs> league out there. Yes. We don't want to hear about that uh, FIBA shit. No. They don't know how to run a, a a proper organization for the players. You know what I mean? No, there's no, there's never been any scandals or controversy in FIFA for sure. That's a very clean organization. <laughs> oh, I said FIBA. I was talking about the basketball. FIFA, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I said FIBA. They've been involved in some pretty gnarly scandals themselves <laughs> over Man. the years. Yeah. <laughs> I, it feels like, uh, it almost feels like everything that gets big and makes a lot of money is corrupt. It's almost like that's what it is. It's There seems to be a correlation between um wealthy white men mm-hmm. and the the sports that they are sort of charged with overseeing and mm-hmm. organizing good there, word overseeing there, there 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 appears to be something about that combination of like sports and rich white guys yeah somehow breeds corruption yeah not quite sure yeah and the we money should, we can't forget the money we should do a um there should be some kind of a scientific experiment that could sort of unpack all of that somehow. <laughs> like, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. uh, we, well, uh, on a side note, we celebrated 4th of July. Yeah. The other day. Yes, what a time. Um, it's one of my top 10 things I've done since I've lived here. It was a good time, like and it, it really kind of got slapped together at the, at the last minute, which I yeah. guess in a way is very... Fourth of July ish. Yeah. Uh, hey man, what you doing? <laughs> what yeah. you doing Sunday? Yeah, because we had we had <laughs> other. I think you said this too. Like we had other plans, and, yeah. and those plans kind of fell apart. Yeah. Uh, and so suddenly it was like, well, fuck it, let's just do it in my place. Um, 
And then we, I think in total, in the beginning, we invited like, I don't know, maybe 10 people. And then it kind of ballooned to mm. what? 15, 20, maybe more. Yeah, I 20, think it 15, was more, somewhere 20, between 20 and 25 people. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Um, but it, it was good. There was meat. There was children. There were, yeah, it was warm. Everybody got along. It was beer. Like the kid, I was uh, a little bit worried about my kids. I didn't know there was going to be that many kids there. Right. So when uh, my kids are uh, seven and four, so when I'm thinking about going around, you know, other kids, I'm thinking there was going to be older kids and they would feel left out. But mm. they were, uh, it was a good a range range of kids. And That's then, true. Yeah, so everybody had a good time. Even there was a kid who was there who was 19 and he was still chill and engaging with the other kids. And you don't see that too often. That's oh yeah, pretty, Max. I hadn't yeah. seen him in ages. Yeah, so that was pretty. It was a nice, was cool. uh, nice time, man. Good vibe, good people. Uh, we had. Uh, I mean, we, we got to go through the menu because it's yeah. NFL. Sure. We had. Uh, well, we had pork tenderloin. Pork tenderloin. We I'm had, gonna do that for everything you name. We had three of them. Right. Three pork tenderloin. <laughs> yeah, and we had for the you know sort of vegetarians we had we had salmon salmon yeah hard to make that we sound had hard. Jonathan brought a really good potato salad potato salad uh, you know I made the KFC coleslaw coleslaw yeah that's right uh, <laughs> some other people brought random vegetables. banana pudding oh shit the banana pudding <laughs> there was banana pudding there yeah there was some fantastic chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Uh, what other meat was there? You made, you grilled. Oh, it was burgers, of course. Burgers, a couple of burgers, a couple of dogs. Yeah, we we. It was good, man. You you grilled the corn up. That was nice too. Uh, I didn't try that actually. Oh, but yeah, I believe Skiff was the grill master, holding it down between two flags. Yeah, Uh, we put up some flags. I had a lot of drinks. We had some music, alcohol, great music, great job DJing. Somebody took a picture of me at one point because luckily one of the guests that we had, she she's a photographer. She took a bunch of no, you don't say it like that. You say we had a photographer on site. We had a lot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I hired a photographer to show up, and uh, she took a picture of me. It's a picture. It's actually a picture of me and you. And but I'm in this weird position where like. For the first few minutes of staring at this photograph, I'm like, it, it almost looks like I'm getting ready to fall down. Like, am I falling? Like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> it's called being it, drunk, Skiff. I know, and I, that was what I was a little worried about until one of my kids was like, "No, that was you were dancing." I was like, "Oh, that's <laughs> oh, I'm it. white. Yes, white guy dancing. That's what it is." Uh, yeah, I, th- I saw you dancing. I, th- I feel like you got some rhythm, man. You know, I try. You got some rhythm. I try. You know. <laughs> Try. It was such a great time, man. It was cool. It was a great vibe. It felt like a straight up, it's weird to say, but it felt like an American barbecue. American Like a 4th soil. of July party. The only yeah. thing that was missing that we just can't do here is fireworks. Right. That's the only thing that was missing. Everything else was perfect. 4th of July, we had good weather, good barbecue, food, fun, people, alcohol, music. That's, uh, my wife says that yeah. friends, uh, music, and uh, food. Yeah. That's the that's the per, the three elements for a you good know. Party. I feel like the fireworks. I mean, even though they're obviously pretty to look at, it's a little over the top anyway. For, for me, it's like eh. and the environment. You know what? You know what I've heard is dear, and I know we're getting way into this, but it's annoyed me. Yeah. The uh, and I don't want people to attack me, the dog lovers, but there's I've never seen it before this year where people are like, but the dogs get scared. Yeah, the, I've never seen that before this year. Oh, really? Like, I've uh, I've I've been seeing that. It, it, people seem to do it every year, especially for 
uh, here, you know, here New Year's mm. for those for the American listeners, New Year's is like the entire city just goes up in flames with fireworks <laughs> on New Year's Eve. It's insane. <laughs> it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and it is kind of a, obviously it's a night that freaks the dogs out. But I personally, you get dog lovers can come at me too because I'm not a big dog fan anyway. Oh <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> I don't trust dogs. Uh, I don't trust their their judgment of humans. I feel like th- any animal that will just love uh, any human unconditionally is not cool with me. I feel like you need some better <laughs> like powers of discernibility because yeah. some humans really suck. But yeah. if you feed that dog, I always use this example, Hitler had a dog and mm. that dog loved Hitler. So fuck that dog yeah. and fuck all dogs. <laughs> for being able to love someone like Hitler. And I'm just not down with it. All dogs I, love Hitler. <laughs> all dogs love Hitler. It's just Disney had to change the title of their movie. Yeah, and if Hitler God. fed all the dogs, all the dogs would fucking yeah, love him. They would just so, love him. I'm just saying, dogs are stupid like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I know that people out there have dogs and you love them, and I get that. And I understand the logic behind it, like why you would feel that connection to your dog so i'm not saying that that's makes you an idiot but i'm just telling you how i personally feel about dogs and why i'm never going to have one despite the fact that my wife really wants one that uh hitler had a dog thing have you um have you heard that anybody else say that no i just okay i might put that into my stand-up man you should it's a great premise to build up to a good really good joke I, i've had this conversation before i think i said it on yeah. the amk morning show yeah. and what's her name one of the girls who hangs out there, or women, or whatever. Now I'm, oh, geez, now I'm in trouble with women. <laughs> Female. She looked at me like I had just like yeah. shit on the table when I said something horrible about I was dogs. Just like, I was like, God, back yeah, off. That's a, yeah, people love their dogs, man. No, well, whatever. People love their, their they're pets. They're so people pure and cats. innocent. Man, fuck. No, yeah. no, they're not. It's a different thing, man. When the, uh, <laughs> but this is the first year I've seen people like, oh, think about the dogs and the fireworks. The dog, okay. Whatever. You know what? Get your dog some headphones. <laughs> Somebody, we should invent that. Nobody told them to have super good hearing. Doggy phones. <laughs> uh, we got bigger problems to deal with than dogs and fireworks. Okay, what we got? Well, before we get into the football stuff, I would just like to sort of address the fact, for our American listeners, and you probably aren't aware of this, but Sweden is currently under attack from a Russian cyber hacking mob Oh, is that who went after Coop? That hacked into this Swedish grocery store. Shut down the Coop, baby. This shit is like... I mean, I, they went I after... That. They went after our fucking food supply, bro. We're at war. I mean, yeah, you can go to another grocery store because there's more than one <laughs> grocery store. So it's not like they attacked our entire food supply. Yeah. But the Americans are involved because the computer system that they hacked into was created by an American company, oh, right? Okay. So they hacked into the computer system so that... It basically made it so that they couldn't check any. They couldn't. They, mm. they, they couldn't go to the checkout counter, right? Mm. Uh, to Coop's credit, very cool. When they realized there was nothing they could do about this, they sh- it were shut down for like three days. Yeah, I they just that. started giving food away. Yeah, it's gonna go bad. <clears throat> Which I thought was kind of cool. And then they said people could pay with the Swish. Right. Which is a phone yeah. payment system through the phone banking. Well, when I found out the, when the Americans were involved, I, I I have to say, you know. <sighs> 
look, the CIA, I know that the CIA listens to this show because obviously <laughs> we're here behind what up? enemy lines. I just wanted to say, I'm, I mean, I'm he- we're here. We're both here. Yeah. And I know you guys are quietly plotting and maneuvering all over Scandinavia. And frankly, I'm, I am a little insulted that you haven't reached out sooner. Because uh, I at feel least like, directly. They haven't directly reached out. I feel like we could help with mm-hmm. stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? And I don't know exactly what we could do but i'm sure we could be of some kind of assistance uh. and i don't know why but i honestly i this sort of bakes into this weird fantasy that i've been having lately of like like when i'm on my deathbed that i'll be able to tell my kids like oh, guys i i actually been working for the cia this whole time <laughs> you know what i mean like how fun Bro, would that that's so true man and i don't it, I guess in some ways I could just say that shit anyway. It's my yeah. deathbed. Like I could yeah. just say it say and, and leave them to sort of unpack this mystery after I'm gone. <laughs> no, he's three months later. He's a fucking liar. Exactly. <laughs> he's a fucking liar. Okay? Yeah, but I feel like this is something that you and I could like. We we could assist in this effort, mm-hmm. maybe through the guise of you know raising the awareness level of the popularity of the NFL in Russia. Perhaps like we could mm. you know some kind of a you know in air quotes ambassadorship kind mm-hmm. of thing, spreading mm-hmm. the word type thing. Um, I don't know. I just, I kind of, before we got it started, I just wanted to say that publicly, that if the CIA is listening, <laughs> if you need us, we're you, know, here. you know where to find us. Yeah, we're here. Clearly. Uh, they, they must not have listened to the first season. I don't know. Because we solved the entire problem of the NFL's popularity in Europe See? last season. I'm just saying. So it's like, and maybe by we're, we're saying capable. that, maybe okay. by saying that we want to help them publicly kind of disqualifies us, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> as we're supposed to be more stealth about it. You or know? us saying it is a front. Yeah. I don't know. I'm you know, just to saying. make it to throw the people off our scent. I'm just saying that we're here and I feel like, yeah. you know. We're here. We're queer. As queer as the NFL. Well, that, you know, it's funny that you say that because that's <laughs> actually the first real football thing that I wanted to talk about. And if you are planning on spreading the popularity of football in Russia, you know, you've already made your first wrong move by saying that football is gay because <laughs> uh, that shit does not. We cannot have this. This is gay. That shit does not play over there. Um, but this kind of, you know, it's funny because that that story. Nobody but, gets under center. Everybody's in shotgun. Exactly. We don't want. We don't want problems. <laughs> I don't want to touch his bottom. My top hand is right under his ball sack. Right in his ball sack. I don't want to do this. This is gay. <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of uh in the week since the nfl announced that it was gay i think you know at first when we first talked about this last week i felt gayer i I felt yeah (laughs) no i felt pretty strongly about the take that that we had about it but at the same time i was like are we being dicks about this but you know, there's been a lot of criticism. it's considered a source that's why considered a source yeah i mean I don't know. Just pretending like the NFL. All right. Like they mean well. We know better. Yeah. That's why I was, I was saying that. I think it's I think it's great. Inclusivity, of course. Mm. Diversity, of course. Uh, but when they do stuff like put in, end racism or change the uniforms to pink socks for breast cancer and uh, do the Veterans Day, everything for one month, all of these temporary things they do. Um <clears throat> And the NFL does a lot of good stuff in communities and stuff. They are, you know, each team has their own community outreach programs. But uh, when they grandstand and, and make it about uh, look at me, what I'm doing, then mm. I don't like it. That's all. 
You know, we should well, be able to call them out. Yeah, and I would agree. There are. I've read some articles this week that I I completely agree with that the NFL is being accused of just like this, illustrating this kind of faux wokeness. Right. Uh, and like you said, like they, it needs to fit within the like the parameters that they want to define for it. Right. We're mm-hmm. going to do this for a month. Right. We're going to do this for they. You know, last year they decided to end racism. Yeah. In in the end zone. Yeah. At first it was like, we're going to do it in week one, yeah. and then racism will be over. And then I guess there was pressure. Like, okay, we'll do it for the rest of the year. Yeah. We'll see if they do it this year. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, and uh, they, they, have you heard of the phrase pink washing? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? For like awareness for like cancer or breast cancer or no, whatever? No, no. Pink washing is uh, when companies cater, uh, d- normally during Pride Month, mm. they cater oh. to gay to the LGBTQ plus community, right? Uh, and they, and they all of a sudden they're uh, super, you know rainbow this and this and that. You know there's a rainbow champagne. <laughs> You'll see it in uh, mm. in uh, System Vlogit. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, yeah. All these companies doing uh, these different things for the gay community. And then once Pride Month's over, they're like, "Well, we did that. Let's see what's next." Oh, Native American History Month. You know what I'm saying? I was like the it's bullshit. So it's they call the, it they call it specifically pink washing okay. for uh, Yeah, for it's a very um it's it's an unfortunate reality of being in what is predominantly a capitalist society that, yeah. that any movement that gains uh any real momentum uh eventually is gonna be co opted and monetized in some way. You mm. know what I mean? It's gonna yeah. they're gonna turn it into a business. Um I'm sure the same you know, same thing's happening with Black Lives Matter and yeah, and that kind of stuff. So it's um, I don't know. I don't see there being any way to avoid that. Um, and I guess in some ways, I guess you could argue that it does push that particular movement forward in yeah. some way because it's, it's raising, better than them ignoring you're, the cause. You're, you're raising awareness. You're normalizing it. You are a bit of a douchebag for taking advantage of it, but whatever. I don't know. It's just my uh, my other podcast that uh, uh, the Power Media podcast. I talked to. We talked about this, uh, and we, it's a more serious podcast, of course. <laughs> and we more serious than this? <laughs> I, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but my my friend who works in uh, advertising, he was saying that um, if that companies should still do stuff, hmm. but they should not publicly pat themselves on the back about it, and then you'll know, right? Like if the say you're trying to do something for LGBTQ plus community, yeah. and uh, and they said. Oh my God! Uh, Macy's did this for us, mm-hmm. but Macy's hasn't said anything about it. Right. Then you know it's done right, right? You know what I'm right. <laughs> or like for the past six months, Macy's has been giving, you know, whatever, blah blah blah, or has been, you know, helping, um, or maybe giving, donating five percent to the foundation, well, I forget, the Trevor Project. Mm-hmm. If they did mm-hmm. something like that and didn't say a word about it, then you know that's when you mean well. But they can't do it. They always have to fucking say something about it, right? That's the problem. Yeah, I, it's true. Uh, taking credit for shit that they don't deserve credit for. Yeah, doing uh, the right thing. <laughs> like, there's hey. another organization that's generally quite guilty of that. Now, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. The NCAA story kind of continues. What have they ever done wrong? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, we can just touch on this quickly, but it's, right. um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting. Now that the writing is on the wall, it seems like... Um, you know the the players are now going to be free to sort of do their own 
kind of endorsement deals. And that, now that that reality is starting to sink in for the NCAA, it seems like the one move that they have to make um, is essentially to create. They're 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 trying to create some kind of standard for how this is going to work out. They want it to be the same in all fifty states, like how how this opportunity or this new situation is going to play out. Um, I, in all honesty, I think it's one of these things where, you know, again, rich white guys uh, figuring out a way, since they're sort of losing their opportunity to figure out a way to stop it from happening, now they seem to be shifting their focus towards figuring out a way to get their cut. Mm-hmm. I was right? going to say, they're probably trying to be the middleman. So, you know, because, you know, they're like, well, you know, you play for Georgia. I mean that's that's our problem. So we get a cut. Is it? There's going to be that coming Ugh, down the pipe for sure. Disgusting. Um, <clears throat> now the one caveat that I have that I do understand the only way that I think colleges should be involved in players' decisions related to how they use their you know their celebrity to make money, however you want to call it, um, is like if they have some sort of a issue over the thing that you're advertising for right like so for instance this touchdown was brought to you by sex trafficking (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) or like betting companies obviously this is a bad idea local strip clubs would be bad damn right yeah um i mean you know i i i don't know do you are there any others get a discount on (laughs) Like since he's wearing number twenty one, you get a twenty one minute lap dance for half price. <laughs> Thanks to Deshaun Jones. <laughs> Thanks, Deshaun Jones. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there, there's yeah. I mean, there, there's clearly. I mean, normally when you see local uh, oh, sporting commercials, it's like used car or, yeah. or insurance commercial. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be. You see, you, when I listen to Georgia radio on game day and. Like every other commercial is essentially the head coach doing a, a radio commercial for like a car company. Oh, so he could capitalize. Yeah, so he's making five million a year. He's making. He's already getting paid yeah. five to ten million just to yeah. be the coach, and then he's making money hand over fist to, you know, advertise. The you know, new it, Ford or some shit. You know what's gonna be the thing? It's gonna be uh, social media stuff. That's TikTok true. TikTok and YouTube and that's stuff like true, that. That's true. That's true. They'll be doing, especially the young players doing the, the next dance or whatever, mm-hmm. stuff like that, featuring on people's TikToks. And stuff That'll like. be an interesting way for them. Well, I don't know. It's going to be really fascinating to see. Yeah, I'd love this. to see. I want to see how creative creative they get. Because mm-hmm. there's been a few players that already got signed on. There's been cheerleaders mm-hmm. that have, uh, oh, from, from, uh, from NCAA, because they've always been uh, under the same umbrella. We always talk about football and basketball, but you know, there's other athletes that uh get uh, that are under that same umbrella especially even gymnastics they become stars too once the olympics and stuff come around oh yeah so track and field too now that's in the news and all of that stuff too mm. so uh the funniest quote that's come out since this ncaa situation is from the head coach of the clemson tigers dabo sweeney yeah his one of his old his Qu- back pedal, right? One of his old quotes kind of got <laughs> brought back to life. He said, we try to teach our guys, use football to create the opportunity. Take advantage of the platform and the brand and the marketing you have available to you. But as far as pl- paying players, professionalizing college athletics, that's where you lose me. <laughs> I'll go do something else because, you know, there's enough entitlement in this world as it is. <laughs> 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 so a lot of people are saying that okay now that p- players are going to get played does that mean are that, you quitting are you, you going to quit resign? now because that would be great if you did that <laughs> Dabo you resigning 
But it's like, to me, that quote really encapsulates the the kind of inherent contradiction mm-hmm. yeah. in, in this situation. He's literally saying, take advantage of your opportunities and the platform and branding and marketing, but don't, don't go get money. Don't go make any money yeah. from it. It's like... Uh, fuck them, man. Yeah. I'm really glad that the uh, Supreme Court was like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. Uh, the other interesting story is Reggie Bush. Uh, Reggie Bush, famously great running back. I don't. He played for USC, won the Heisman Trophy, mm-hmm. uh, and then it was discovered later that he had received gifts in the form of like an apartment for his family, yeah. which was very. He grew up very poor and whatnot, and and some other things. A car, I think. Uh huh. And they took away. Well, they took away all of his records that he set that year, and they took away his Heisman Trophy. And now that this decision has come out, Reggie Bush has been making a you know effort to get his Heisman Trophy back. And apparently, the the group that decides on the Heisman has said, "We'll actually give it back to you if the NCAA says that's cool." They're two the separate. The fuck they want with this man's trophy? But um, yeah, it's, it's so <laughs> stupid, man. Unless there's a lot of like public pressure, I think the NC, which maybe there will be, but. I mean, NCAA, my, 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 when I first read this story before I woke up, you know, now there's been a little bit of momentum in the last week or so. But when I first read it, I was like, the NCAA is just going to say, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah, I thought them, so was, too, yeah. them was the rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so dumb that they took it. They took their chance. They uh, vacated their championship and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit because uh, we're going to be talking about the Seahawks and, you know, Pete Carroll. Right. So, uh Yeah. Uh, uh, Reggie Reggie Bush deserves that trophy. He earned it, and, and him taking that uh, money did not, or taking what the gifts did not uh, make him better or worse on the field. Hmm. You know, it just made a better situation for his family. <laughs> it's like, how could you blame somebody, especially when you're not paying them either? Hmm. I don't know. I've always been against that shit. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Give it back to him. He earned it. I don't think. I don't think the gifts that he got made him a better football player. Right. Oh, and I'm, another thing is, uh, sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. No, uh, that was it. That okay. was my point. Uh, another thing is, if um, they could have, they would have a leg to stand on if they were paying the players, like uh, like the Gap would pay them. You know what I'm saying? Like a right. small, sure, a small thing to offset the fact that they're practicing and all this stuff, and they can't have a, a job. Mm-hmm. So if they were doing that, then they'd be like, "Dude, what do you mean? We got you a job. You're making what your your peers make, right? Uh, at the fucking yeah. at working at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. You're making that. Why are you taking this? Then they have a leg to stand. But you gave them nothing. Yeah. And you and because they have to be, uh, I, I shouldn't say nothing. Of course, they some of them get scholarships. A um, uh, minority of them get scholarships. The majority of them don't get. There's right. only a few scholarships uh, allocated to each team. But the ones who have scholarships, they do have that. They get the education, but uh, they also are having to basically work. Yeah. <laughs> After school, they have to go to fucking practice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm. I'm yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's going <laughs> to be interesting to see <clears throat> how it continues to develop. Uh, I hope Reggie Bush gets his Heisman Trophy back because that guy was a fucking beast. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I also included in the that so we can move on from the NCAA. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Dominican Sue, I put him in the running order this week just because okay. it was a Miami story, and I was just curious to get your reaction. What happened? Uh, he basically 
he basically admits and apologizes to this bad attitude that he had when he was in Miami. He said, you know, you've watched me play. You can see that I'm a lot in your face. That's kind of my personality. For a long time in my career, I was always, you know, just said whatever I wanted to say, never thinking about how I delivered that message. Everything changed when I got to Miami. I was in a strong, influential position, so I was just making my opinion known regardless of how it impacted others. Two years in, I realized this attitude was creating divisions on the team, pushing people away, and putting in a negative, putting me in a negative headspace. And he kind of goes on to explain oh, wow. that he's 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 learned, he's grown, he's uh, he's realized that you know there's a better way to sort of conduct himself Shit. in the locker room. That's crazy. So you mean an Adam Gates locker room had a problem? You know that does seem to be <laughs> a thing, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. He, but he's still a fucking monster, man. Not like he used to be, of course. He, actually, he said such things were even worse when Adam Gase was hired as head coach uh, in, in Sue's second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, then came along our new coach. I disagreed with everything he wanted to do. But nothing, <laughs> but nothing I said was being heard. I couldn't get what the support I wanted. I realized it was because I had zero tact. Like, he okay. just felt... So he's not putting it all on uh, Gase. He's putting uh, it on his... So he came up and said, this is fucking stupid. And Gase was like, no, it's not. You're a terrible coach. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you have a coaching job, man? You're going to get fired, but you'll probably get hired again. But then you're going to get fired again. Yeah. Hey, he gives some pretty good advice here, actually. A pretty okay. Like a four-point kind of thing. He said, basically, what he does now, he says, one, I listen way more than I talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can't said, relate. I pay attention to how I interact with people. Mm-hmm. I observe other uh, people's reactions and adjust as needed. Mm-hmm. Four, I choose my words carefully to be more empathetic. Wow. Just imagine uh. if everyone uh. decided to do that. I'm not saying we all need to. I don't. Look, he may still be a douchebag in some other way. But I'm just saying that's some pretty good advice. Like, yeah. if more people thought about that on an everyday, yeah. care listen, care about other people's feelings, uh, choose your words wisely, and listen <laughs> before speaking is like great. Thanks, Indomakong. Yeah. So I always found him to be pretty uh, introspective and eloquent. Mm-hmm. Like when you see him speaking, it was almost like he was trying to sound eloquent. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he's a Nigerian dude. Yeah. I don't know if you know about them and their obsession with education. Mm. Uh, stereotypically, it's like they're get educated and, you know, pretty uh, right. smart people. And mm-hmm. uh, I was I always got that vibe from him when he's in a in a <laughs> press conference using big words and shit. Right. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It also feels kind of evasive, too. It's good that you said that. You always, Somehow you always seem to say the right thing that helps segue into the next story that I want to talk about. Thanks to my Russian hackers. It must be. You're like hacking into my running order because (laughs) what I was going to say is, uh, well, now we can move on to someone who's not necessarily known for his his, uh, level of eloquence, and that would be the coach of the... uh, Detroit Lions, uh, Dan, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell is, is firing out some more quotes <laughs> this past week. That has How long is he going to last, Everybody man? going, huh? Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> We're going to suck some dick. <laughs> We're sucking. Detroit Lions are sucking all the dick. Happy Pride Month. 
<laughs> now that football's gay, yeah. we are going to suck the most dicks. Deep throat Dan. <laughs> you can call me from now on. Deep throat Dan, biting these sucker dicks. I'm out of here. <laughs> It's so funny because you can hear him saying something. Just staring at one reporter the whole time, making it really awkward. Uh, He apparently was talking to an NFL reporter. uh, He was talking about the message that he's delivered to the Lions players since he was hired. um, And he says, quote, I told the players, honestly, day one, I said, look, I'm not carrying your toilet paper around. <laughs> I'm not going to wipe your butt. Uh, You're going to wipe your own butt. You handle it and you treat it and I'll treat you like men until you prove otherwise. Wow. You're going to wipe your own butt. <laughs> now pull your dick out. Because <laughs> I'm going to put it in my mouth. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. Because Swift. football is gay. <laughs> <laughs> because football is gay. <laughs> Unbelievable. Dan Campbell. He's not going to last long, man. I got to tell you. Um, I don't think so. I'd be surprised. I'm teetering I, like with Dan Campbell. And when he keeps doing this, and maybe it's just my, like, I always, in most situations, especially if it's a neutral, if it's something, like, if there's a game that I don't care about or, or a team that I don't care about. I root for the maximum amount of chaos possible. Like that's my like when I when I watch the Euros and yeah. it's two teams that I don't care about. I'm like I'm just praying the whole thing goes to penalties. I'm yeah. just like bring on the chaos, yeah, yeah. bring it. Uh, I'm starting to fall in love with Dan Campbell. Yeah. in a weird way. Like I'm, I'm on the a, fence. Fan. I'm on the fence between thinking this is fucking ridiculous and I'm totally here for this. <laughs> Like, just keep bringing it, Dan. <laughs> I'm just here keep... for it, too, but uh, I really can't foresee uh, along the... Because players are going to be like, you know, enough is enough, coach. Can mm-hmm. we, you know, when are we going to... I want to hear him talk, break down the defense. You know what I'm saying? Like, hit us with some some of that. Well, you know, all this will start to either get better or worse when they start actually playing football games. Yeah. Right? So July 31st, if they start, baby. If they win football games... Then everyone's going to talk about how Dan Campbell is like one of the greatest, like colorful yeah. characters in the league. Yeah, like we true. love him, Rex Ryan, prime yeah, example. Exactly, we love him. He's yeah. uh, well, who's the other guy? But uh, Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan was yeah, the same dead. too. Yeah. yeah. It, as, as long as you're thought of as the greatest defensive mind in the game, as yeah. Buddy Ryan was, yeah. uh, it didn't matter what he said. Yeah, and Rex Ryan became that for his generation. Exactly, and uh, his <laughs> antics were I would. That's a rival team, but I liked him. Yeah. I was like, damn, man. I kind of wanted him to like say something stupid, get fired, so Miami could pick him up. Because yeah. I was like, damn, he was one of the architects of that Baltimore defense. Exactly. And now he's fucking talking shit and taking names. I'm telling you, if winning solves everything, if Dan Campbell wins football games, he's going to be thought, you're never going to, you're going to hear about him every week. But Dan Campbell never, I think to have that attitude, you have to. Be a, a a a buddy or Rex Ryan, you know what I'm saying? You have to be that guy. Mm. Like if Robert Saleh was acting like that, we'd be like, okay, this dude was out here building defense, uh, built the sick defense. Get you could see he's got the team behind him. Yeah, but Dan Campbell is fucking tight ends coach. Yeah, and then well, uh, we'll see. offensive coordinator. I don't we'll know. See. It, it we'll feels see. interesting. Uh, speaking of people who speak their mind, uh, Lisa Wilson, Zach Wilson's mom is back in Shout the news. Out. 
Uh, I'm also starting to sort of lean in her direction. I know, and I know it's going to come back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> I'm starting to fall for her a little bit too. Uh, but I just know that she, I feel like she is more likely to say something like, damn girl, what'd you say that for? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> like she'll say an N word. Uh, yeah, like exactly. Uh, I mean, maybe not so extreme, but yeah. What well, I mean, she did say that. I don't remember who she she referred to some woman specific. Like someone needs to tell Kelly that Instagram is only for whores or something. Like oh, that. <laughs> she said something crazy. Like yeah, uh, see something like that. Yeah, it's coming. So the story broke this week that apparently Zach Wilson is so horrified and embarrassed by his mother's Instagram and Twitter account and all of her hot takes on crazy stuff that he. He literally offered to pay her money to shut down oh, yeah. her her account and stop doing what she's doing. She said, uh, quote, people out there think I embarrass my son. He asked me to take down my social media. He has before. And he says, Mom, if it's about money, I'll give you money. I said, Zach, I don't need your money. And then she goes on. And in her defense, okay, so it, aside from her just having like crazy hot takes about stuff, she's also kind of like a sort of like a personal trainer and um She's using social media to be this kind of, um, I don't know, sort of... Like a health guru type thing? Sort of a health... Like, she's she's doing a lot of things about um, mental health and and eating right and exercise and all these kind of things, you know what I mean? Mind and body wellness or whatever. Sure. Yeah, that's probably a good way to encapsulate it. Uh, And she she says in this video, which we're not going to play here, you can go... We can post it later... Um, she basically argues that there are these women who follow her site who feel empowered mm. by this message that she's out there delivering, and that's the reason why she can't shut down her. She's like, fuck you, Zach. Yeah. Uh, so, so, again, maximum chaos. I'm totally here for it. I'm really glad that she she stood up to her son, and she's going to keep doing her thing because I just know that at some point this is going to be like two trains colliding, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be insane. I love it. Uh, what else happened? Nikhil Harry wants out of New England. That's kind of interesting. Mm. Uh, he's hoping that a change of scenery will make him not suck. I guess <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Well, if he got to not suck first for somebody to want you. Exactly. Uh, I don't know if your agent told you how this works, Nikhil. <clears throat> yeah, you have to be good first. Uh, uh, what else going on? The, let's see. New Orleans Saints have agreed to pay Ryan Ram Ramchick. Oh, whoa. Ryan Ramchick, five-year, $96 million extension, highest paid right tackle yes. in the NFL. I was going to say he's a beast. Somebody went and got the bag. He's a beast, man. Uh, Josh Gordon's looking to get back in the league. I don't know if you remember <laughs> Josh Gordon. He's, he's had numerous uh, suspensions for yeah. drug abuse yeah. things. He's been playing in this wacky other indoor football something. Oh, arena football. Is it arena football? I forget what they call it. They have a name for it. It's something stupid. A- uh, AFL? Or, uh, I don't remember. Okay. It looks like the XFL, but it's not that. It's something else. I can't remember. Okay. But another pro league. Side story that we don't have to go into at all, but the, the Elf German football, they have their first coach firing. Oh, wow. Talk about chaos. And it's the only team that's undefeated. It was. Oh, I don't man. know why. It was like some kind of weird. Like they, you know, it was one of those bullshit state. Well, we just realized we had a difference of philosophy. I was like, okay, somebody, something went, yeah. something went south. <laughs> you don't, you don't fire a coach yeah, that hasn't lost the game up. yet. Um, Maybe some uh, footage came up of a of a Sieg Heil or some shit. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> like uh, or some underage ladies in the locker uh, yeah, room or yeah, something. Maybe some dumb shit. Uh, what else happened? Urban Meyer apparently does not understand the difference between Tim Tebow and the other guys trying to make the roster. Uh, in a recent interview, he claims that Tim is just one of ninety. Um, I was just sort of when I saw this. Uh, it, my first thought that popped into my head is that I know this guy. He's a friend of mine. I meet him every week. We have a podcast together. His name's Jonathan Rollins. <laughs> I was just kind of curious if Jonathan could uh, could explain to Urban Meyer how Tim Tebow is actually not just one of the 90 other guys or 89 other guys on the field. I mean, he's not played the position. Right. That's one thing. Yeah. Uh, he's 33 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was given this opportunity by his friend, who happens to be the head coach, mm. which reeks of nepotism. Yeah, uh, and uh, he's next door fucking neighbors <laughs> with the coach. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, do all your players live next door? <laughs> How big is Tebow's apartment or house? Uh, this, uh, yeah. It re- what was it? We were talking. What does he call it? The circle of friendship. Circle or? of trust. Circle of trust. Yeah. Circle jerk of trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally next door. Within, if someone lives next door to you, uh, they're in your circle, bro. Uh, is it in the cul-de-sac of trust? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Fuck out of um, here. The other thing that Urban Meyer apparently doesn't understand are the rules regarding <laughs> football yes. in the off season. Uh, he's already he hasn't coached a single game yet, and he's already been fined for. Uh, training camp violations, which yeah. I think have something to do. Let's see, Jaguars. Did he did he walk around the sidelines with a Jaguar? <laughs> Dan Campbell's like, I was just theoretically wishing for that. I didn't know you could actually. How do how do I get one of those? He was uh, Dan Campbell would be pissed. He was like, that was my idea. Oh my, this motherfucker. <laughs> Somebody come over here and wipe my butt. <laughs> Are you wiping that Jaguar's butt? <laughs> I bet he's wiping his butt. He gets to wipe his butt too. Yeah, they got a two hundred thousand dollar fine. Damn. Uh, and they have some practices taken away or something. Oh, it was something wow. to do with eleven on eleven contact right. between DBs contact, and yeah. wide receivers. Um, As a union man, <clears throat> this yeah. ain't this ain't NCAA. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, they weren't the only team that was fine. The Cowboys and the 49ers. I want to be unfair, Skiff. We're also fine, <laughs> but it's more fun to pick on Urban yeah. Meyer because he's supposed to be a genius and he, you know. Look at the union trying to do something right. And he's already cheating. Fuck the union. I know, right? Uh, what else happened? Um, wow. Okay. NFL owner, oh, this was crazy. NFL owners project that revenue generated from the now widespread acceptance of legalized gambling will eventually lead to NFL teams being worth at least eight to ten billion dollars. That's billions with a B. And, and that's like the bet. Like right now, the Cowboys are worth five point five, yeah, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that'll be twelve. <clears throat> that's good for the NFL. That's good for the players. Should be happy about that. But uh-huh. they should really lean on because this is the time for the union to make their move uh-huh. and lean on them. Like, listen, man, there's so much money to be made. We need to make some changes. This is the time to make the move. Yeah, before the gambling kicks in, because this they got leverage, man. Yeah, they do. But they won't. Um, <laughs> so, it's going to be hard. Yeah, five point seven billion. The Cowboys, they're the most. Uh, yeah. 
they're the most valuable sporting franchise, period, any sport on the planet. They're in for, I looked up the Forbes list. Cowboys are number one. New York Yankees are number two. Knicks are number three. Barcelona's Knicks. number four. <laughs> the Knicks. Real Madrid's number five. <laughs> I can't believe the Knicks. The Knicks. Terrible. <laughs> when was the last <laughs> time funny? they did anything, man? Well, you can say the same thing about the Cowboys. When was the last time they did anything? Yes, about the same time uh, as <laughs> the Knicks, 90s. Patriots midnight. are number eight. That It would make sense if the Patriots were top three. Hmm. But, Rams uh, are number 13. Robert Kraft blew all that money on uh, hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Deshaun, you're doing it wrong, bro. <laughs> there are places you can go. He's like, you can go to actual rub and tug, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Deshaun's You don't have to there. invite them over to your house. You turn your whole house into a crime scene, bro. <laughs> what are you doing, <laughs> man? What's wrong with you? This is why I'm a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why I'm a billionaire and why you're a millionaire. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> uh yeah, and speaking of um, billionaires, the last kind of big story that I wanted to talk about was the Washington football team. Obviously, everybody's talking about this. Oh, okay. uh, NFL has fined the Washington football team $10 million after wow. their investigation into the workplace culture, uh, which I feel like... kick him, Why can't they kick him out of the ownership group? Honestly, I, th- that is one of the biggest questions that I have. Uh, like, what do you have to do? Does he have to be on tape with his uh, with his uh, cuckold girlfriend or what? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying? Like, well, like you, catching him saying something. Why, I don't understand. Why would that matter? Because if the NFL managed to get a hold of the tape, they would just destroy that, like yeah. they did everything else. I'm and just talking. But I'm referring to yeah, of course. Uh, NBA, yeah. But I mean, but this is how. Well, that's one example of how the NFL is better at hiding their scandals, yeah. theoretically, than than any other league. Um, the the thing that's really crazy about this is that so they have a year long investigation, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that investigation, normally when the NFL does an investigation, or theoretically when lawyers are out there like asking questions and stuff about w- what's going on, presumably there's going to be some kind of documentation as to what what mm-hmm. what they learned along the way. They're going to interview yeah. all these different people. We're going to know stuff. They got depositions and stuff. Yeah. So when asked. At the press conference for this announcement, like, will you know, when will you be sort of releasing the, the official report about this investigation? The NFL's response was not, it wasn't that we're not going to release this report. They're, they said there is no report. Oh, wow. But you determined, <laughs> you determined that they need to pay $10 million. Based on what? Well, you know, that that's the big question that I have because I think, well, here's the thing. Look back on the Patriots thing, that, that yeah. old scandal, right? So the, and I'm talking more about like the, what did they call it? The video, what, didn't they have a name for that when they were video? Uh, Spygate. Spygate, thank you. Uh, you know, all the tapes were destroyed. Right, right, right. In this particular situation, they're like, well, if we don't produce a report, then we, can't destroy. we don't have to destroy anything, <laughs> right? Uh, wow, <clears throat> But at the same time, I kind of I'm starting to think that Dan Snyder has some kind of information or something over the league. Nah. Or or he has like it, it, some kind of because this is a really weird situation, you guys. I think because, the league doesn't want to pull the trigger on because it's going to expose. It's going to put them out there big time if they have to try to get him kicked out. Right. Because. The way that it's set up, the other owners have to like vote, and if they try to get him kicked out, 
And then the owners are like, fuck that. We, we like But them. I don't even think there are any other owners anymore, remember? Because he bought the team. He bought out all the minority owners, so he's the only I'm owner. I'm talking about the other 31. Oh, the other owners of the league. Yes, yeah. thank you. Okay, you're right. Yeah, for yes. The rest of the owners have to vote him out, and they probably don't feel confident that the owners will stick with them, and then they'll just look weak, which they are. Right. But I think it sh- there should be a way for the league to get rid of somebody. What if he was – like, what if – does that mean that he can? He's above the law. You know what I mean? Like he's above reproach. Yes. The answer to that question is yes. <laughs> yeah. So they should. They they would get completely exposed, and I think that's why they don't even want to. Um, and he probably did some really horrible shit. It must be. Well, he's he's directly implicated in a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, and in the press conference, Dan Snyder is basically taking the approach of saying like, "Oh man, I I was I." If anything, I'm guilty of being like an absentee owner. Like I, I just, you know, the culture got away from me. It's horrible that I didn't, I wasn't paying enough attention. I had no idea that this was happening. Bad me. Yeah. Uh, Let me put my wife in charge. Exactly. It's a woman. Exactly, and that's exactly what they're doing. They put her in charge, and now they're saying that dance. This, this to me is really weird too. So after he hands everything off to his wife, um. They they claim that that Dan Snyder is no longer the CEO of the team, but he's still there and he still owns the team and he'll be working on other aspects, but are not related to the day to day football operations. Uh, but then they go on to say that Dan Snyder cannot be reinstated back into his previous condition unless it's approved by Roger Goodell. Okay, so. They're they're trying to they're essentially trying to say that he's it's like they're trying to say that he's voluntarily suspended right 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 which those two things don't right. don't go together yeah. um and apparently Dan Snyder doesn't want us to know that uh he <laughs> that he's been suspended because they came out the next day after a reporter kind of pointed out the weird contradiction and all that. And and kind of push back on this idea that he had been suspended mm. and that Goodell had to reinstate him. Uh, and then, of course, all these reporters from the Washington Post and all these other places mm. are reaching out to the league like, hey, w- which is it, bro? Yeah. Is he stepping aside or is he suspended? And so far, as far as I can tell, they haven't really they, they're probably, they haven't really commented. They're probably holding on for dear life that many camp or that camp gets here. Yeah, July thirty first can't come fast enough for the NFL. That's what they do is they use football to cover well, not, up everything else. Not only that, think about the timing of this announcement. Mm. What was it? Was it July third? Yeah. You know, we have this uh, tradition in America, especially in the political <laughs> world, when you when you want when you need to sort of release a, a statement about something that you really would rather not talk about. You you dump it on a Friday night, yeah. you know, because everybody's off on the weekend, and it's Fourth of July weekend. And this is even worse because yeah. it's like you know, if you ever wanted to dump a story when nobody's really paying attention, July third would be a good day yeah. to do it. And Thanksgiving weekend, <laughs> maybe Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, the lawyer who's representing the victims in this case obviously thinks that it's you know she says I think this is outrageous. What does she want? Um, does she want him? To be fired, like uh, removed. Probably, yeah. Like she the said ownership we, group to be dropped. Like she's she's trying to put 
pressure the on the league to release a written report. She said, yeah. we asked the NFL to release this on multiple occasions. The league seems to be in the business of protecting the owners, and that's certainly what they did here. Yeah. Uh, if Roger Goodell doesn't have a written report in his hands, he doesn't have the tough decision about whether to make it public or not. So she's questioning the veracity of this statement that there is no report, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly the the lawyers don't just, they're not doing this whole investigation by word of mouth. Yeah, right? exactly. You got to write that shit down. You got to yeah. send emails, you know what I mean? Wow. Uh, Damn. She, she thinks there's a, yeah. It's a whole mess. Uh, it, it, it is. I think it's, um, and, you know, I, I can tell you specifically that we do know about some of the things. I mean, the one that we talked about it here last year I think over the summer, this because this is when this whole thing started. You know, there was that story about the Washington football team cheerleaders mm -hmm. being used like escort or treated right. Like they were yeah. flown to Costa Rica for a photo shoot. I guess they were doing some sort of a calendar or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Dan Snyder invited a bunch of his like rich friends and like people who owned Disgusting. like box seats at the at the stadium yeah. so that they could be there and watch them get undressed. And there was a videographer there the whole time, and Snyder paid the videographer to cut together all the parts of when the girls were naked so that he could give them out to all of his rich buddies. I did not know that. He said, I want you to cut together all the good bits, he said. Come on, man. And he's like, oh, I had no idea that everything had gotten so bad. So <sighs> They're going to do something for Women's Appreciation Month. <laughs> The NFL. Well, this is another this, this is another example because yeah. they're going to try to they're going to try to do this PR push for the whole year, and and put you know what's her name Tanya or Tanya Snyder, Dan mm -hmm. Snyder's wife. Yeah, Tanya. They're yeah. going to try to put her up on this pedestal. Yeah. You know they they already kind of peppered us up for this last week. What yeah. what did she say? What was the quote? She said we're we're trying to make the Washington Football Team the gold standard yeah. of. Of of franchises, the, the Brown standard. I mean, give me a fucking break with that. I wonder what Ryan Rivera thinks about all this. I'm sure he's disgusted by it, yeah. but you know, he's probably like, "What am I supposed to do?" Like, yeah, this is. They're trying their best, man. They hired the 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 black president or whatever. Yeah, look, the lady in charge. Yeah, they got the black president. They got the lady in charge as a coach. Yeah. they're like, "Look at us, we're diverse." Yeah, yeah. but they also had the thing with the. Um, the reporter that had the whole sexual harassment thing, and they fired yes, the guy. Yes, that too. was in here too. Yeah, yeah, man, everything um, is just a just just disgusting, disgusting organization. I'm not. I would be very embarrassed to be a Washington football fan. So sorry if we got any out there listening. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think would this... that make you switch teams? <sighs> no, you, like if if uh, no, if it turned not. out that like what's his name Fontenot or whatever his name is, the new GM mm -hmm. or whatever, turned out that. You know, he had some had been drugged somebody or some shit like that, and then they swept it under the rug. Well, I think you could, as a fan, you obviously will make the argument that you were a fan before this. Right, right. These people came along, presumably. I mean, but if yeah, you were you a were, fair uh, weather fan and you just became a fan, right, right, right. then yeah, sure, I could see you switching teams. But but you would uh, see what I would do is hope that the team got rid of them. Like right, I didn't yeah. care. I didn't uh, think it was a big deal when that offensive line coach of the Dolphins was like on camera snorting coke or whatever. Right. I didn't think that was like a a big deal. But if I was super against drug use or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, and like if that was my thing, then mm -hmm. or you know what I mean, my the thing that bothered me, then I'd be like, man, I'm I'm glad he's gone. Like they need to fire him. Right. But if they didn't fire him and it was my thing. 
Yeah. I'd still root for it. It's almost like our relationship with the NFL. Like it's like, damn. I think I, I think it. I would probably stick with my squad. Yeah. But I could certainly imagine myself like trying to be part of a movement of people. Like I, I'm certain that there will be Washington football fans who will attempt to kind of come together and trying to get Dan Snyder out of the team. It won't. Yeah. Not that it'll work, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Like I, I would probably want to fight for my squad yeah get rid of the cancer don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. yeah is that a yeah does that apply yeah perhaps that's tanya snyder she's got some <laughs> fucking he sounds like a baby that needs to be thrown out with some bathwater. dan snyder unbelievable thrown into some bathwater. all right uh should we go on to these uh to the nfc west sure can uh get through this whole uh Division, which it's a good division. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a good one, man. Uh, the last one we did was the AFC South, which is not that good. Of a which division. is not a good division. It's not a good division. <laughs> uh, we can agree on that. Uh, the NFC West, as I always do, we're going through alphabetically by uh, mascot. So it's going to be Forty ers and then the Cardinals, and then the uh Rams and then the Seahawks. All right. So let's start with the uh 49ers. I'm getting old. I'm going to have to zoom in or something. All right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here. What did I say? <laughs> All right. Uh the 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. Mhm. In his in his 5th season. Uh, background, Kyle Shanahan is the son of Mike Shanahan, a two-time Super Bowl winning coach of the Denver Broncos. Mike Shanahan is very respected in the NFL, and that fact seems to have fast-tracked Kyle Shanahan to where he is today. Mm-hmm. His first job was offensive quality control under John Gruden in Tampa Bay. Gruden coached under Mike Shanahan in San Francisco. Then he went on to Houston as a wide receiver coach. He was the youngest position coach in the league. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Then he got promoted to offensive coordinator, making him the youngest offensive coach, offensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. Then Mike Shanahan hired him as the offensive coordinator in Washington. And that was when the whole RG3 experiment began, and they were the first coach, they were the first team that I ever saw like a switch their offense to match the quarterback. I think mm. that started that whole trend. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, including me, was saying this kid only got the job and career because of his dad. Mm. And everybody was fucking right, too. <laughs> he moved on to Cleveland mm-hmm. and ended up quitting because he and Coach Mike Patine didn't get along. Maybe Patine wasn't babying him enough. Maybe Cleveland was just a very shitty situation at the time. Likely it's a mix of both. Mm. Then he went on to your Atlanta Falcons and found his footing. He was assistant coach of the year in 2016 and was a hot prospect for head coach somewhere after uh, after turning that offense into a juggernaut. I don't know if you heard about this, but under Shanahan, the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. They had a 28-3 lead over the Patriots in that game. Uh, Shanahan took some heat for being too aggressive in the second half and leaving too much time for the Patriots to come back. And... The Patriots ended up winning that game, thirty-four to twenty-eight. That Super Bowl. I, I blacked out that memory. <laughs> uh, it was a crazy game. Uh, I suggest Skiff that you go back and check it out. Check that game out. That's never going to happen. But what I do remember, <laughs> I have some vague memories from the blackout, and I do remember yeah. thinking, "Why are we still yeah. putting? Why are we still throwing deep balls yeah. to Julio? Like we we could literally run this. 
Run the clock out. We could get, we could do three and out for the rest of the game, and we're they gonna have win. Two, have two championships because of that, <laughs> <laughs> and they're both from this division. Uh, Shanahan got hired on as the 49ers head coach in 2017, and in three years, he had them in the Super Bowl in his one winning season. That's right. He had three seasons with six wins or less. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Kyle Shanahan offense. Kyle Shanahan has complete control of the offense. It's it's, it's his position. It's his passion. Uh, this season, he's switching it up, and he's having an actual offensive coordinator on staff. What? Mike McDaniel basically followed Shanahan throughout his career and is now the offensive coordinator in San Francisco. This leads me to believe that the offense will pretty much look the same. Shanahan likes to spread the defense out and then fuck with their heads. That's his thing. He attacks defense weaknesses with uh, route combinations uh, off of the same formations, messing their heads up. He loves to run the ball, and he tries to hoard speedy backs to execute outside zone-type runs based uh, behind zone blocking, which is a staple of his father's offenses. Uh, he likes lean, athletic linemen to be able to get outside and create lanes for his runners. Shanahan's also very adaptable and will add plays to the playbook on the fly if he thinks it'll help his team get points. It's just his passion. He also, uh, as soon as he got there, he fired all of the <laughs> offensive linemen. Like, he got rid of all of them um, except for two because they weren't, like, athletic enough. Mm-hmm. That's his thing. He likes to get them in position to block an area. Uh, defense. Everyone expects a drop off after the departure of Robert Saleh to the toilet bowl that is New York Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Saleh is was considered one of, if not the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Uh, Saleh's replacement is D'Amico Ryan's. You probably remember that name. Uh, he played for ten years in the NFL uh, for the Texans and Eagles. Before that, he was an All American at Alabama. Ryan's has uh, only been coaching for four years. First quality control and then linebackers. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that defense. Under Saleh, the 49ers play one of the high test rates of of quarters coverage. Yeah, they played a lot of uh, quarters coverage um, in the – in the league on on er early downs. First and second down quarters is when you split the back end of the defense into four. Hmm. Most teams do it like two or three, but they split it to four. So they, the base difference is a cover three, normally with a four-man front. They didn't uh, normally blitz on early downs, but did on passing downs, and we can expect to see the same under Ryan's in his first year. So basically they don't want to get beat with the big play. Hmm. My thoughts? I leave this research session less of a believer in Kyle Shanahan than I was before. Nepotism got him all the way uh, through his early opportunities, and no doubt he's become a knowledgeable and experienced coach over the years, but the numbers don't lie. He's coached for four seasons, and in only one of them has his team produced more than six wins. Where is the Kyle Shanahan hot seat talk? In his career, he's been fined for being unprofessional <laughs> towards a referee and violating uh, and before violating COVID uh, mask protocol. Mm. Then in his one hire... That wasn't tied to his father, Cleveland. He couldn't get along with the coach and resigned after a short stint. I don't know, man. Signs point to an entitled, spoiled brat. Interesting. You know how I feel about coaches being a good leader. I haven't heard any quotes out of San Francisco about Shanahan being a leader. We've all heard about his play calling prowess and how much of a technician he is when it comes to knowing defensive weaknesses and putting players in the right position to win. But in my opinion, it takes more than that. On the outside looking in, it felt like the soul of that team was Robert Saleh, and he's gone now after a six-win season. Shanahan is going to have to put up or shut up this year, and I'm not convinced that he can put it all together if they face any diversity whatsoever. Mm. 
So that's my. Uh, that's interesting. He sounds a little like you said, entitled, bit of a control freak. Yeah. Uh, he's actually in the news today. Um, two interesting things that came from an interview. Uh, one was that he revealed that he the Forty ers were apparently like in the competition to get Matthew Stafford. He was really pissed when he found out they were going to the Ram. He was going to the Rams. Oh wow. Uh, and the other thing was is that he, in the same interview, he claims that in 2016, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, the 49ers had approached him to offer him the head coaching job, and he nearly canceled the interview. Uh, like, uh, he, okay. he was not going to take the gig because they weren't that good. Like, they were bad. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he did, yeah. They, but yeah. then, apparently, he says here the reason why he took the job uh, which kind of feeds into this control freak narrative uh, is that the 49ers gave Shanahan all the conditions he wanted to accept the job, which included uh, being able to pick who the general manager would be. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. He gets a lot of, uh, he, he gets passes, a lot, right? He gets a lot of rope. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I, I didn't think about it until this, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot when he got that job, and it was like kind of falling apart in, in Washington." I was like, mm-hmm. "This dude's just—he's giving his son this shit, man." Oh. And he blew two Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah. One is true. the offensive coordinator, and, and then one, one is the head, head coach. coach yeah. you, you know. All right, Arizona Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury is their coach. Mm-hmm. Third season. As head coach, his background, Cliff Kingsbury, came up through the college ranks. I was actually surprised that he first sniffed NFL coaching as an actual head coach with the Cardinals. He played quarterback in the NFL, but mostly in a backup role to great quarterbacks such as Tom Brady and Drew Brees. He finished up his pro career in the CFL also as a backup. He began his college coaching career at the University of Houston and worked his way up to uh, offensive coordinator. He called the plays for the 2011 team that averaged 50 points per game. Mm. And almost 600 yards per game. He went to Texas A&M and had a similar success calling the offense. This led to a head, coach, head coaching job at Texas Tech, which is his alma mater. He coached Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes while there, and that may have been why he was turning heads in the NFL. Tech uh, never really made a huge splash nationally, but their offense raised eyebrows. Kingsbury got hired on as offensive coordinator at USC after the 2018 season. He took the job and then backed out when they started blocking NFL teams from interviewing him. <laughs> uh, Lynn Swan was in charge there. He was like, no, he's our coach. You can't talk to him. So he was like, fuck it. I'm going to jump out and see if I can get an NFL job. There was no turning back now, so he made the leap and got hired on at Arizona as the Cardinals head coach before the 2019 season. Uh, as offense, Cliff Kingsbury is going, to, is going out on his sword like a fucking G. He feels he's the best at calling plays in his offense, and he's going to do just that. He did promote his O-line coach, Sean Kugler, to run game coordinator, but it looks at, like play calling is going to be for Kingsbury. The Cardinals run a variation of the air raid offense, which I hadn't heard of before this. The air raid uses primarily wide receivers and running backs as pass catchers and spreads out the field. There aren't many plays or variations off the plays, but it's all about timing and precision. I hadn't heard of air raid, and that's likely because it's too basic for the NFL. This may be why the Cardinals' offense sputtered to the finish last year after starting off so hot for the first 10 games. They didn't switch up much, and the league figured them out. Hopefully, they've added some wrinkles to the offense this season. Time is running out on that first Kyler Murray contract. 
Defense, Vance Joseph is defensive coordinator. He runs a 3-4 a base scheme. His defenses are aggressive on passing downs and opportunistic. He's been around the league a long time and is a respected coordinator. He's also head coach of uh, the Denver Broncos for like two years, a year and a half, two years. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball in Arizona, and they've added an accomplished veteran in J.J. Watt, who said he went there for Vance Joseph. If he stays healthy with Isaiah Simmons behind him and Patrick Peterson deep on the back end, they should be able to execute whatever Vance Joseph needs. My thoughts, I've gone on record saying I don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> he doesn't have the it factor, and it seems like every time I've watched the Cardinals sequence on Game Pass, he was somehow making a coaching mistake, <laughs> be it timeout, going for and fourth down, not taking the field goal. He just seemed in over his head. I would guess it's because he's focused on calling the offense more than worrying about the big picture. It's like a slightly less retarded Adam Gase. Give up the offense, Cliff. <laughs> you came up from the college game. You can't have tunnel vision right now. Add in the fact that even in the college game, he had a losing record. And I'm doubly convinced that the Cardinals fucked up by hiring this guy and are wasting away some precious years of their franchise quarterback's rookie contract. I give Kingsbury two years max. If they have a losing record this season, then he might be gone in one. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, man. Uh, my my favorite Kingsbury story is actually I, this was I read this about a month ago actually when Sean McVay played a prank on Cliff Kingsbury. Did you hear the story? Mm-mm. It was the year that he he I don't know if he had just taken over the Cardinals or if he whatever. It was the year the Cardinals had the number one pick of the draft and they were going to take Kyler Murray. Okay. Kingsbury and McVay um, were out to dinner with some other players, including Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Right? And Mahomes, I think I think Kingsbury coached Mahomes in college. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. And um, <clears throat> McVay had all this forethought to put together this prank where he told a buddy of his, he, t- he went into his phone and changed his buddy's co- name in his phone to Roger Goodell. And he told his buddy, like, I want you to text me. At eight o'clock, and I want you to say exactly this. And so the text pops up on his phone, and it says, "Hey, you know better than this. You and Kingsbury are in deep trouble for tampering. I know that you're. I know that you're out with Patrick Mahomes right now. You're gonna if if we can if this is as bad as I think it is, we're gonna, gonna lose the pick. you're gonna lose the number one pick. And 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 I saw this in an interview, like McVeigh and 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 Kingsbury were doing this interview with some some other guy, and Kingsbury was like like no lie. He said I, when I saw that, t- he was like I thought I was gonna throw up at the table. Like I was so sick to my stomach. How I long did he let it go die. on? I don't think he let it go on very long. Oh, okay. But he said even after McVeigh like told him, he was like no, I'm just fucking with you, bro. You know, <laughs> he said, Kingsbury ended the interview by saying he's like I didn't eat for the rest of the week. Like I was wow. so freaked out by. <laughs> He's like, fuck Patrick Mahomes. It's like, shout out to McVay. <laughs> Nicely done. Like that. That makes me like him even more. <laughs> All right. Speaking of the devil, we're on to the LA Rams. Sean McVay, fifth season as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Sean McVay had a meteoric rise to his current position. He's a third generation coach in his family and must have had that possibility in mind after his playing career ended. He basically got his degree and then began coaching under John Gruden in Tampa and later his brother, Jay Gruden, in the UFL. He went to the uh, Washington football team under Mike Shanahan and was a holdover when Jay Gruden took over, which is always a good sign, mm-hmm. uh, after Shanahan was fired. Gruden made him offensive coordinator, and, uh, and uh, I don't remember that offense being anything special. <laughs> However, fun fact, 
the Washington staff had Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay, and Rich Scagnarella on it. And they still had multiple 10 lost seasons with all of those like top coaches <laughs> coaching minds in the NFL. Anyway, uh, McVay was offensive coordinator for three years, and he must have nailed the interview because the Rams hired him, and they immediately became a force in their division, winning the NFC West in his first two seasons. That second season ended in a Super Bowl loss, and then the Super Bowl hangover happened. Last year, they limped into the playoffs, and now we'll see what's up with the new quarterback on the roster, Matt Stafford. Offense, McVay tried the no coordinator thing back in 2018. They made it to the Super Bowl, but we know how that went. The hangover season happened. I mean, McVay finally brought on Kevin O'Connell. I don't know if O'Connell is good or not, but it says a lot about McVay as a leader that he brought in someone from the outside to do the job that he was doing. Take notes, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, A lot of coaches, (coughs) Adam Gase, would stubbornly go down with the flailing ship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Rams are on a run-first offense that thrives off of play action. They run the most compact offense in the NFL, meaning they bunch up tighter than any other team when they line up. This can cause a lot of traffic for defenses to navigate through once the play gets going. It also creates a lot of outside space for wide receiver bunched in on the formation, if, if that makes sense. Sure. They're, they're like tight. Yeah. The players in this offense have to remain aware of their assignments in order to properly execute. Uh, the Rams lost their defensive coordinator to a head coaching position across the street <laughs> with the Chargers. Oh, so they right. brought in uh, veteran Raheem Morris. I don't mm. know if you remember him to run that side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Raheem Morris is a student of the Tampa 2 defense, familiar with a four-man front. Uh, but he's, has, uh, he said that he will run a multiple-look defense out of a 3-4 base. That's good news for the team, being as they won't be required to change their personnel around. Uh, Morris says he'll stick with a similar defensive strategy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They were the best defense in the NFL last year. Number one. The Rams' focal point was on not allowing deep pass conversions and inviting teams to run. And by run, they run right into motherfucking Aaron Donald and company. (laughs) They ran a healthy amount of zone defense, and that should continue with Raheem Morris. It may be good to get another perspective on that defense. The transition from Wade Phillips to Brandon Staley was smooth, so maybe from Staley to Morris – We'll be just as smooth. We'll see. My thoughts, you can't really argue with three out of four playoff seasons and no losing seasons to date. I personally prefer coaches with defensive backgrounds, but McVay must be the real deal. The fact that their defense improved after moving on from the veteran defensive mind to a first-timer speaks volumes to McVay's leadership and eye for talent. How this staff handles the veteran Matthew Stafford coming in from Detroit will be something to keep an eye on. I think about how Bruce Arians expertly handled Tom Brady coming over with all of that media limelight. McVay is going to have a bit to deal with after making that trade. He's going to have to make sure Stafford's comfortable and still hold him accountable. It's going to be a test of his leadership. So far, he's passed all of the tests thrown at him in that department. L.A. looks to be in good hands. Mm. I Yeah. I On one level, I agree with all of that, but I'm also a little curious about this football team in general, like d- considering the way they build this team mm-hmm. by, oh, yeah, by yeah, sort of uh, free agency, yeah. disregarding the draft and doing everything in free agency a good point. And, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. Like I look at the Rams as being that team that, yeah, sure. We can all say that McVay is a genius and that they always make the playoffs and they're always good. And these are all good things. But, is there something that's equivalent? Remember, like the housing crisis that yeah, led to the financial collapse. Yeah. Like, like yeah. could could this happen to the Rams? Like, certainly the way they build this team makes you think that it's possible. Your team is a prime example of that. Precisely. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see if he's uh, kicking the can down the road too much. 
It's interesting. Sure. He there was a little shade. I don't know if it was deliberate shade, but the the you know the Colts who build their teams the exact opposite. Yeah. Way. yeah. Uh, the I think it was the GM who was talking shit about how like build it. He basically was describing how the Rams built their put their team yeah. together yeah. and saying that's the wrong way to do it. House of Cards. Yeah, it's more or less what he yeah described it as. All right, so we'll see. Uh, last but not least, the Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll in his 12th season. <laughs> wow. Still chewing the same piece of gum. <laughs> <laughs> Just pay attention, brother. <laughs> this 16... Did I steal your joke? Was that coming? Nah, 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 it's coming. <laughs> this, uh... <laughs> You're going to like this. This 69-year-old man has had quite the football life. Pete Carroll started coaching in 1973 and never looked back. Shit, that was the year I was born. Really? He's Damn. been coaching your entire life. That's crazy. He began on the defensive side of the ball in the small school ranks in, in college and worked his way up uh, to bigger programs. His first specialty was coaching the secondary, what a surprise, and later defensive coordinator. Everyone spoke about his energy and enthusiasm. He got guys going. The NFL took notice, and Carroll was hired on defensive staff for the Bills, Vikings, and then the Jets. Then in the, uh, This is in the mid to late 80s. Then uh, the shitbag of an organization called the New York Jets made him uh, head coach but didn't have the patience to see it through and fired Pete Carroll after one season. He went back to defense mm. and got on as head coach in uh, New England. They had two playoff seasons, and then he was canned after an 8-8 eight and eight season in 1999. USC begrudgingly hired Carroll. He was the fourth on their list. <laughs> Pete Carroll, wow. and he almost immediately uh, turned that school around. This dude was there for nine years and won six bowl games, had two BCS championship appearances, won one, lost one, had seven top four finishes, a record of 97 and 19. Damn. This is 80-something percent. Uh, had 63 consecutive 20-point games. <laughs> Got 53 players drafted to the NFL and had a fucking 34-game winning streak. Damn. His time there. It all fell apart due to sanctions, as we spoke about earlier, which I think is bullshit because how can the NCAA try to act like they have uh, some fucking standards? Reggie Bush took things uh, even though he was working for free, and they got stripped of victories and scholarships and the like. Fuck the NCAA. Carroll got the fuck out of there to give the NFL another shot. He left there with a 33—oh, uh, yeah, he left the NFL with a winning record. Uh, he was 33 and 31. He went to the Seattle Seahawks and demanded complete control of personnel in a very uh, Kyle Shanahan way. There are only three coaches with this power, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, and Riverboat Ron. They're the only three to have full power of the team, GM, mm. last, last say. Uh, Seattle was smart to agree, and then Carroll stripped down the team immediately. He made over 200 transactions in his first season. <laughs> wow. Uh, and they started from scratch. They snuck into the playoffs and upset the Saints. The famed Beast Mode run known as the Beast Quake happened in that game <laughs> and is one of my favorite things in life. The Seahawks are a perennial playoff team, and Carroll still had his mojo on the defense side of the ball. The Legion of Boom and the, uh, led the league in defense for four consecutive years. That's insane. <laughs> the defense admittedly has fallen off since then, especially last year, and we'll see what the gum smacker begin, brings to the table once he turns 70. 
Offense, the Seahawks have a new offensive coordinator in Shane Waldron. He's from Sean McVay's staff, so there's really no telling what this offense is going to look like. What Waldron has revealed is that he would like to run a lot of the 11 formation, which is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. So that's kind of spread out a bit. Uh, He wants to use rhythm and tempo. Wilson uh, complained about the rhythm and tempo of the offense, so that might be why he said that. So we'll see if Waldron can make him happy. Seahawks' offensive identity has shifted over Russell Wilson's career. When he was a rookie, they were more smash-mouth. Uh, and as of late, they've opened up to more of a vertical offense. Waldron wants to balance that off a bit more and focus on the run. He also wants to be able to pass and run out of the same looks to keep the mm. defense off balance. If that sounds like coach speak, it's because it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see. Uh, I'm gonna guess they'll run more since Waldron is from the McVeigh uh, uh, staff and mm. they run a lot. I'll also. Uh, it'll also likely keep Russell Wilson upright. Mm-hmm. Uh. Or am I, I lost my space. Uh, uh, and out of the media, if he's uh, not getting sacked, successful runs will open up play action and mid-level to deep passing opportunities, and that's right up Wilson's alley. Defense. 2020 started off as an anomaly for the Seahawks. Their defense couldn't get off the field. We started to wonder if Pete Carroll had lost his touch. Then the second half of the season, they tightened it up, and, may, and maybe the gum chomper still has got it. Mm. The Seahawks normally run a 4-3 base defense with mainly cover three concepts. I credit them with popularizing the cover three, especially as the league went more pass happy. Uh, once they do, uh, one thing they do differently is use a nose tackle. I just found this out. It's pretty interesting. Use a nose tackle, which is normally for a 3-4 defense. It's just normally a big mauler. And they put them next to a regular 4-3 tackle. Mm-hmm. And it clogs up the middle of the field, uh, taking double teams uh, and frees up linebacker lanes. And it adds... Uh, uh, adding a nose tackle to a 4-3 can make running the ball look like a bad idea always. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. Their secondary usually plays zone, and I don't see that changing. It's been that way since Pete came along. They target smart, instinctive players to execute that defense and protect the backside. My thoughts, Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame coach, and Seattle is a good hands as long as he has his wits about him. Yes, he's an older guy, but I think his pep and enthusiasm keep him curious about where the league is going and keep him from letting the game pass him by. I like that he's not a tough, in-your-face leader of men type mm-hmm. of leader that I normally prefer. It's refreshing to see a leader of gentlemen find success. Mm-hmm. The defense will continue to thrive. The offense, jury's still out on offense. But what I'm sure of is that the old gum pulverizer will adjust when it's time because mm-hmm. that's what good coaches do. Nice. How would you rank the NFC West coaching mm-hmm. staffs? Um, let's see. I've got to choose from. I would say <clears throat> I put Pete Carroll at the top. Agreed. Uh, in the number two slot, I would put McVay. Okay. Um, in the number three slot, I'm going Shanahan mm. and then Kingsbury. <laughs> That's exactly what I got. Yeah. We agree on that. I don't think we've not disagreed on any of those. No, no, no. You we put, were a little uh, off on the last AFCs. one, but we were, yeah. AFCs, we've been pretty close. Had, uh, I love Pete Carroll. I think he's, uh, he, me too, he always seems like he'd be fun to play for. Yep. Um, I mean, they're a weird team. They they didn't have a lot of draft picks this year, so I, I'd be a mm-hmm. little concerned about them. Yeah. Uh, and their season last year was such a weird Jekyll and like they had like the number mm-hmm. one offense but a terrible defense and then for some reason midway through it it flipped yeah. like their offense suddenly sucked yeah. uh, and their defense was lights out so yeah. it's like it, 
it's one of those things where the Falcons do that sometimes too, you know, where suddenly their defense wakes up, but it's too late to do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how how they put it together. Pete Carroll's one of those guys that you just always kind of think he'll figure it out. You just feel like he's going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, because he's he's so obviously he's been coaching for as long as I've been shitting in my pants That's for Christ's crazy. sake. So, um, so yeah, he had some job in like college of like uh or like right after school, like some type of salesman or something. And he's like, ah, it didn't work out. You know, it's not not <laughs> for me. That's the last non-football job this dude had. It's like, <laughs> He's out there selling raincoats or something. Yeah. <laughs> Typewriters. Gum wrappers. <laughs> He's selling like cartons of bazooka gum. Yeah, they're like, dude, I don't want that. If it's going to make my face do what yours is doing, I don't want that. I can't. Nobody's buying this. <laughs> that dude goes ham on his gum. Yeah. All right, uh, but that's it, man. That's the NFC West. If you're rooting for those teams, I hope I uh, represented them accurately for you. I, I think it's going to be one of the funnest divisions in football this year. In the year. past, like, three years, man, they've been, yeah. And I agree with you. I think uh, Shanahan and Kingsbury are, are the two that have the most to prove. I haven't heard not one person talk about Shanahan on the hot seat. And I have heard somebody talk about I've heard about Kingsbury being on the hot seat. Of course, seat. he should be, but mm-hmm. I haven't heard that. But but I've heard Flores on the hot seat from one reporter said that. It's probably a clickbait type thing. But mm. if I've heard that and I haven't heard Shanahan, it's weird to me. I didn't realize it. I mean, when you look at it, you're like, Is oh, he the most? Might he be the most entitled coach in the league? Yeah. Maybe. But you got the famous dad. Yeah. That's how you got all your jobs. Everywhere you go, you're a genius. Yeah. Whenever it falls apart, it's never your fault. Yeah. That's where it's at. And I didn't realize it until now. I was like, he's a genius. Hmm. You know? And he could be. It would suck to be both. Right. An entitled genius. Then you're Kanye West. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a very good point. Do you want Coach Kanye? <laughs> Drop and give me 20, because I could do 21. <laughs> I could have done those push-ups faster than you. Now, hard knock. I would watch Hard Knocks if if Kanye was the coach. <laughs> if Kanye was the coach, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all better y'all better run your sprints while I make a song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, this has been another episode of Spinnerfell. Really fun. Uh, I'm Jonathan Rollins. Give me Sarah, and we'll uh, catch y'all next time. Peace. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.